Well, good morning, One Church. I say One Church because that is who we are. Uh, it really doesn't matter what the brand or name on the church sign is. Uh, Jesus told us that he wanted us to be one, and we are today. So I just welcome you to this time. We start a new teaching series called The Key to Everything. I'm really excited about this series because it comes from a book re- written by one of our mentors, uh, Matt Keller, and the title of it was The Key to Everything. And he's been an influence, his staff has been an influence on our staff uh, for the last several years. So you might be thinking, okay, Rick, don't leave me hanging. How about if we do this? Just get to it. What is the key to everything? We don't need a four-part series. Just give me the key and I can run with it. So, okay, here it is. I believe the key to everything is the foundation of a growing faith relationship with Jesus Christ, allowing him to direct your life. Amen. Okay, let me shorten it. How about this? More of him, less of me. Okay, one more. How about if we just do what Matt Keller did? Here's the definition that he gave of teachability. Teachability is the key to everything, and it works in every part of our life. I shared with you before that for the first five years of ministry, I was bivocational. I was a carpenter during the day, and I was a pastor at night, and I was blessed to work with my now good friend, then my boss, Mark Zarbo, who was a carpenter, you know, and um, he, um, some contractors, I don't know if you know this about contractors, but they're a little bit afraid to teach you what they know because they're scared you may take their business. But Mark wasn't like that at all. I mean, he taught me how to frame. He taught me how to roof. You know, he taught me how to side a house. He taught me how to install cabinets and how to trim. And I, I, uh, I learned and I loved learning those things at that point in my life. And then one day, a friend of mine came and asked me if I could share with him what I learned about siding a house. And so I worked with him for one day, taught him how to side. And from that one day, because he was teachable, he made hundreds of dollars off that one day installing uh, vinyl siding. Teachability added to his success. So this is going to be the verse for this whole series. So look at this verse. Let the wise listen. By the way, I'd underline the word listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Think about it. So much of our success in life, whether it's in our career or parenting in a relationship or our faith, is determined by teachability. But if we're not teachable, even God can't help us today. But you show me, because if you show me someone that thinks they know it all, and don't point, I know you're in your house, don't point. Yeah, or they think their way is the only way, or if you show me somebody who is like that, and I'll show you somebody that's stuck, but show me somebody that's teachable, and I'll show you someone who has the ability to reach their God-given potential. We see examples of teachability throughout the scripture, or lack of it. One of the saddest stories to me is the story of Judas, who spent three years with Jesus, and he missed the mission. He thought Jesus' mission was to create political reform and take over the Roman Empire. And so he sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And then Jesus is arrested. And and now it's it's moving towards crucifixion. And Judas actually took the 30 pieces and threw them on the temple steps. And he went out and took his life. And I thought to myself, he never gave Jesus a chance to restore him and teach him through the experience. He just never gave him a chance to 
teach what really matters, but there are a whole list of other people who stand out as examples of teachability. I want to look at one of them today. He's a famous guy. His name is Moses, and how he was how his teachability was put to the test in his life. So we're going to talk about teachability roadblocks, but before we do, uh, let me back it up to January. You know what January is. It's the month when we set New Year's resolution. So I saw this one study that 60% of Americans actually do this. You know, so top three, according to this study, top three New Year's resolutions. The first one is this, spend less, save more. You know what I think that came from? Buyer's remorse from Christmas. How about the second one? Get organized. In other words, prioritize your life and make sure that your priorities are showing up in your calendar. Anybody want to take a shot at the third one? Yeah. Lose weight. <laughs> Lose weight. So those are, those are great goals, but research in that study said that really only 8% of Americans actually pull off their resolution beyond February. Uh, why? Because we hit some roadblocks. All of a sudden, carrots and hummus lose their flavor. <laughs> and then on top of that, adding more debt is more fun than getting rid of debt. Gyms will be packed in January, but if you watch the trend, they'll be empty by the end of February. We have good intentions, but there are roadblocks that can hurt us in our teachability. So the truth about roadblocks is this, right, that they always take us around and take us longer to get to our said goals. So a little background on Moses. The people of Israel, God's chosen people, were slaves in Egypt. You know the story. God raises up a leader, Moses, to go get him and lead him out of that oppression. And so Moses confronts the leader, Pharaoh, in Egypt and tells him, God said, let the people go. And he said, no, 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 Moses, you don't understand. I think I'm God. I'm hanging on to him. And so God sends plagues, and eventually he releases the people. And, and they're free, you know, uh, after... He changed his mind and chased them into the Red Sea, and they crossed safely, and their army was all gone. Uh, but uh, they're free, and here's the problem, right? Here's the problem with new freedom. With new freedom comes new responsibilities and new pressures and new problems, and the people were looking to Moses, the leader, for, to solve them, and Moses was wearing himself out. Then one day, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, pays him a visit. Oh, no, the in-laws are coming, and they are up to something. So the story you can follow in Exodus 18, uh, the verses are not going to show up on the screen, but apparently Moses' wife and his kids make a visit home to their hometown, and when they came back, the father-in-law came with them. And he doesn't even ask Moses if he can come. He just says, Moses, I'm coming with him. I'm coming over. And something tells me, the daughter and the dad had a talk during the visit. And the dad said, I think I should go talk to Moses. And so they're sitting around a campfire. The story continues. Moses is bragging to Jethro about God and about all God did to rescue them out of Pharaoh's hand, all the victories, all the successes. And Jethro's reaction was this. Ready? Here it is. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptian. Jethro was excited for Moses, but there was a reason for the visit. Now, this is going to show up on the screen, so listen close as I read. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit and judge? Well, all these people stand around you from morning to evening. 
Now notice, Moses didn't know he had a problem. His father-in-law was just starting to point it out. And all of us need someone who cares enough about us to speak truth into our life. It continues, Moses answered, because all the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. I decide between the parties, inform them about God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, oof, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is not good. You and all these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you, and you can't handle it alone. Jethro goes on to say, there's that word again, listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. Yeah, may God be with you. For those of us listening today, uh, how would it be if father-in-law came and said, hey, I'm going to tell you something that you should do. I'm going to just say probably my spirit would be a little resistant. I got to think Moses was tempted to think, hey, Jethro, weren't you listening? I just went over all the stuff that God did through us and through me, the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. God did it. And uh, I was sort of in charge, Jethro. I don't know if you knew that, but I, I was the in charge guy. Maybe Moses was thinking, I don't know how to put this, Jethro, but I'm kind of a big deal right now at this point in my life. People respect me and they're depending on me. Moses had a decision to make. He's at a crossroads for the next season of his life. He has to answer the question, will I be teachable? See, I believe we have, the answer, we have to answer the same question. As we think about the, any area of our life or a particular area of our life during this virus period or during this summer, uh, it could be that we need some teachability in the area of our studies or career or family or finances or faith. The question is, are we teachable? So five roadblocks to teachability I want to hit on today. Here's the first one, right? Here's the first one. Pride. Pride. Now Moses had just fired off all the things that God had done. And he has a reason to be proud. But would that proudness turn to pride? In fact, let me ask all of us a question today. When was the last time that you had to swallow your pride and listen to someone's advice? It could have been a coworker who offered some advice. It could have been a family member or a friend who gave you unsolicited counsel. Was it a spouse or was it a parent? So a few years back, I had presented to our staff team in church on how our effectiveness as spouses and friends and parents is often little limited because we do too much. As I personalized that message, I felt God was saying to me, as a pastor, you have too many things on your plate, and it's affecting your effectiveness. With God's help, I identified two areas in my life that I needed to let go of. One was overseeing building stuff in the church, and another was outsourcing some counseling I was doing. So we came to a staff meeting, and I, we shared what we needed to stop doing, and I shared what I needed to stop doing. Uh, personally, it was difficult for me because I love building, and I, I love counseling. And then on top of that, I had some people come to me and say, nice work, and you're good at that particular thing. By the way, uh, if, you, if you're really not interested in changing, then don't tell your executive assistant what you're working on. 
because Pam, who was in the office, knew what I was working on, and she began to take over my calendar, which is good. But all of a sudden now, counseling appointments began not to show up, and, and building stuff, like there's carpet in the, new carpet in the church at Akron, and I didn't have anything to do with it. I just get to look at it, and it's beautiful, you know. But God was gradually, and I say gradually, taking those things out of my hand. And you don't have to tell anybody this, okay? That's just us talking today. But there are people in the church that are better counselors than I am. <gasps> Whoa. There are people in the church that are better at building stuff than I am. Whoa. Look at this next verse. It says this, right? Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. So question, is there pride in an area of your life that is keeping you from God's best? Yes or no? All right, let me give you the answer. In, in the comment section, write yes, because I think this is something that we all struggle with. So next, right, here's another roadblock, fear. So Jethro tells Moses, hey, what you're doing isn't good. You can't handle the pace. It's not sustainable. Your family's going to suffer, and your health is going to suffer. But this is what the problem was. That's the only way that Moses knew up until this point. Here's the truth. What got us here doesn't always get us there. And so Moses is in some fearful, unfamiliar territory learning some new stuff. Parents that are listening today, we've been there, haven't we? Where fear sets in at a particular level of parenting. I mean, maybe we, we're in a season where we're really into it. You know, maybe it's infancy or maybe it's when the kids are in grade school. And then all of a sudden the teen years hit. And we become fearful and worried. It's unfamiliar. And we ask the question, what am I supposed to do about this? Hey, 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 there could be some students today. And, and schooling is unfamiliar, is, is, is in an upheaval right now. We don't know if students are going to go back to school or go back to college. And, it, it, and fear can set in about that. Or it could be, as adults, maybe there's a job change that we took. And, or maybe some change coming at the job, and it's unfamiliar territory, and fear sometimes sets in. As a church, we have never been here before. The virus hit, and suddenly things change. No coffee, no Paula's donuts, and no gathering in person. And there was a shift, and I remember those early two days saying, God, I have never been here before. And, and I was afraid of what it might mean for us as a group as we move into this next season, we had to be willing to face those fears as a group. I love what uh, Paul said to a young Timothy, for God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Side note, I have absolutely loved working with our leadership team at the church because we have a bunch of people in the room who are not afraid, and they charge into this, this un, unsettled, era that we're in right now, and they read, and they studied, and they brought suggestions to the table about how we could navigate online church, and we figured it out with God's help. The question, is there an area of your life where you're letting fear hold you back? So we got pride, we got fear. How about insecurity? Insecurity. Here's what we have to understand. Up to this point, Moses was the man yeah, he led the people out of Egypt. He led them through the Red Sea. Now he's in a new season of freedom. He, he's still the man. If you want advice, go to Moses. 
if you wanted answers, go to Moses. And you know what? I bet Moses sort of liked it. Sure, he was tired and worn out, but I wonder if it just felt so good to him that he was the one, that he had all the answers, that even though he was stressed out and worn out by the time he laid his head down on the pillow tonight, he was reviewing his day and probably talking to God, saying something like this. You know what, God, today I helped out John and Debbie and Gene and Brian and, and, and uh, Jim. I helped them out today. I'm tired, but I, I did a good job at what I did. So Jethro comes alongside and says this, uh-oh. <laughs> Jethro's going to restructure the company. He says this to Moses, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people all, at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with us. Jethro says, Moses, you're not the only one that can do this job. You've got to let go of some control. Moses, come here, son. You need to get over your need to be needed. Check it out. <laughs> if Moses takes his advice, he'll no longer be the man of the hour. If I do that, Jethro, what about me? What will I do? What about my status? I kind of like being needed so much. See, when we're, when we're letting insecurity keep us from what God wants to do in our life. So I ask you today, is there an area of your life where you're letting insecurity keep you from doing what God wants you to do? Which leads me to number four, pain. Pain. It may be a little bit odd to put this roadblock in there, but this is what I've learned. Pain from the past can keep us from experiencing God's best in the present. Maybe it's that we keep pushing people away today because we had pain in a past relationship. Or maybe we're hesitant to go after a new goal because we did that once before and we failed at it. Or maybe we think there's no hope for us ever to experience joy again because of pain from that past season. I tell you that nothing can be further from the truth. I believe that for some of us, our next step is to deal with some of the painful things from the past. I know this, that every time there has been an opportunity in my life to go up in influence or growth, God would take me down deep first to deal with some of the issues in my heart. When the World Trade Center was built, they first dug down, I mean the rebuild of it, they first dug down and built a strong foundation as bedrock. They Look at that foundation. I mean, they're doing a whole lot of work on that foundation. In that particular building, they went down as far as 65 or 85 feet. I don't know about your basement. Mine's like seven or eight. But they had to go deep to build the foundation. And there were 47 columns that went all the way up to the 65 fifth floor that were grounded in bedrock and went up to hold that building together. And um, uh, some of the columns ran all the way up to the roof in order for them to experience this thing of a solid building. They had to go deep first. And I think that's the truth in our own life. That some of these obstacles that have held us back, could it be that this summer, could it be during this COVID period that God wants to go after one of them and bring healing? So I ask you, is there an area of pain that's threatened your growth with Christ today? The fifth thing is this, pace. 
You may say, Pastor Rick, what do you mean by pace? Well, it's an unhealthy, unsustainable pace. It can be a roadblock to our teachability. It can keep us from being who God desires us to be. When our pace is out of control, when we're too busy, it erodes the margin in our life. The times when we breathe, and if we don't have margin, we feel like we're out of breath. Everything good that comes into our life comes in the margins. There was a period of my life where it was even hard for me to quiet myself before God. I, I disciplined myself to read the word and to think about moments of it, but to be still before God and shut the pace down for a little bit. So in the story of Moses, Jethro basically tells Moses, hey, if you keep running around like crazy, putting out fires all the time, you're going to miss out on God's ultimate purpose for your life. What was God's ultimate purpose for your life? Well, Jethro tells him, listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be, <laughs> you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees, instruct and show them the way they are to live, and how they are to behave. Moses, God needs you now. He needs you to speak his truth into people's lives. In other words, your job is to represent God to the people and the people to God. But if you keep getting distracted, you can miss out on what matters most. And so I ask the question, is it possible that our pace is so crazy that, and our plate is so full that could it be that we're missing out on God's best? And what matters, our faith, our family, our calling, our relationship. Could this be a defining moment? Like during this series, could this be a defining moment in which God takes our growth to a whole new level? So going way back in time, I remember the day when I was in seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, and I was dropping Pam and our two children, little children at that time, off at the train depot. They were just coming home to New York for a visit. And so I told you before that we left our church in New Paltz, New York, and went to Kansas City, Missouri to go to seminary. It was exciting because this was our first step of obedience to ministry. We were one year in. And the pace of our life was intense. I was working full-time and going to school full-time. I was going, leaving at 7.30 in the morning, getting home at somewhere around 11.30 at night. And my wife was taking care of our two kids and watching two other kids. And that day, as I was watching that train, and our relationship was good, but I was watching that train pull out of the depot in Kansas City. And I felt like God said to me, if you keep going at this pace, one day they will ride out of your life. So I took a semester off school to focus on my family. It was at that moment in my life that I realized my most important responsibility was not pastor it was husband and father. Now, I'll be straight with you. He's had to remind me along the way of that truth just one more time. But if I don't regulate my pace, I'm not at my best at either place, home or church. 
good things happen in the margin. So back to Moses. He sets at this crossroads of teachability. His, God has used his father-in-law to speak truth into his life. Now what's he going to do? Well, the scripture tells us Moses listened to his father-in-law and he did everything he said. I think the two most important words in that verse are Moses listened. He overcame the roadblocks, embraced the lifestyle of teachability. His life went to a new level. What if it could be the same for us? In fact, as we're living in this virus period, I put two questions for us to answer at the bottom of the, uh, at the end of this message. The first one is this. What is one of your roadblocks? What's one of your roadblocks? Is it pride? Could it be fear or insecurity or pain or pace? Name one. And then the second thing is this. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to remove it? I say this. Invite God into your process. I said this at the beginning of the message. You know how you do that? You make it more about Him and less about you. More about Him, less about you. Father, I thank you today. I thank you, Lord, for the things that we learn in your word that are so relevant today in the culture that we live in. So we said it many times, Lord, that Knowledge is good, but applied knowledge is better. So help us take action steps, we pray. Even this day, help us take action steps. If we need to get forgiveness from you, Lord, help us humble ourselves and ask for it. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen.